0: Yeah, you have to look at if and why they're uncertain, and you have to ask questions to try and figure out why. And a lot of mind reading is about asking the right questions.
1: Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone, from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between, to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Steffi Kay is a renowned mentalist who has been featured on America's Got Talent, where she and her partner Mysterion stunned the judges and left Terry Crews utterly bewildered. They also successfully fooled Penn & Teller on their show, Penn & Teller Fool Us. Today, Steffi and I are going to talk about mind reading, and I'm going to be getting a live reading from her, which we'll be sharing on our social channels as well. Steffi, thanks so much for coming on the show.
0: My pleasure. I've been looking so forward
1: to it. Me too. (laughs) To start us off, because mind reading is not normal content for a business podcast, can you give us some examples of the mind reading that you do during your shows so we know sort of what the audience knows what we're talking about today?
0: Well, when we do our shows, we choose to do things in the entertainment realm. We don't really do readings about people's future or past, things like that, but we do things that are fun and I guess like media-based. I mean, we choose things that everyone can kind of relate with, like uh, people pick names of celebrities or they think of a favorite movie or... We have them draw pictures, all sorts of kind of fun things like that.
1: That's awesome. The future stuff would be interesting. Have you ever predicted someone's future?
0: You know, I can only tell you what you already know about yourself. And the future is constantly changing. If I told you something that would happen to you and then now you know about it, that changes the outcome of the future. Everything that you do changes what goes on. So if I tell you something's going to happen, it might not happen because now I've told you. Can
1: you tell me if this podcast is going to be good?
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Now Um, you've changed it. Now we're we're screwed. Very good.
0: Very
1: good. So, how did you get into mentalism in the first place?
0: (laughs) So, I was actually performing at a show. I was doing art live on stage, and Mysterion saw me doing that. He was also there. He was hosting the show. And uh, he actually wanted to exchange phone numbers with me, and he thought my art was really cool, and he asked me to make up a new business card for him. So, we got to talking, and I I said, You know, I don't really do graphic design. I had just got out of art school, like quit art school, and, uh, <laughs> and I was kind of floating around doing things like selling vintage, selling art, things like that, but I didn't really have an idea of what exactly I wanted to do. So anyway, we became fast friends, and uh, we would often talk about what I could do. What should I do with my life? you Because know? mm-hmm. I think he could see that I had something there, and he wanted to make that bigger Mm -hmm. but he wanted to see what I wanted first so he always talked about making me a star and I was like no because he used to do burlesque like he used to work with burlesque girls and I'm like I don't want to do burlesque and so he never he never like forced burlesque on me but he just kind of brought it up he's like do you have an interest and uh anyway so I'd I'd accompany him to all of his shows all of his magic shows and uh, he would give me minor roles in them and once I'd seen enough of the shows I'd memorized almost all of his patter and uh Then I would just kind of jump in here and there, and people thought it was really magical that I would just come out of nowhere and start to do something. They thought I was just part of the audience because, you know, I would be in the audience. I wasn't on stage with them at this point. So as I started learning magic, I was leaning heavily towards mentalism, and I realized I wanted to make something entirely unique with mentalism. So I learned the basics of magic and mentalism with Mysterion, and he took me on as his apprentice, and uh, we created what you see today.
1: So you p- started picking things up pretty quickly. I mean, you mentioned before you had something, you had a, a, maybe a certain quality, you were really good on stage and you had kind of those skills. Was there a, lo- a big learning curve for mentalism or was it more just tapping into certain intuition, a
0: mix of both? And That's exactly it, it's the intuition. So I've, I've always been really intuitive with people and mentalism is entirely about reading people. And you need them to like you in order for them to play along and for you to be good with it. It's about making people feel comfortable, but still being engaging and productive at the same time. You have to make sure that you can maintain a balance of reassurance and keeping the ball rolling because it's one thing to make someone feel comfortable, right? but then it's another thing to actually get work done.
1: I know what you mean because there's an uncomfortability with being i'm this is definitely not a word but mentalized like if you're the person who's have being who's the subject of you know being read then there's especially in a stage setting right i imagine someone's on stage and they might be like a little freaked out with what's going on, or they might not be, you know, they might be an introvert or something like that. So all of a sudden to have the spotlight on them and have someone who's reading their mind, it might make them a little uncomfortable. So I can see what you mean about
0: reassurance. Yeah, you have to look at if and why they're uncertain, and you have to ask questions to try and figure out why. And a lot of mind reading is about asking the right questions. So if someone's on stage, you know, you're kind of under a time crunch to get the effect done so that you're not like your show doesn't go an hour and a half over or something right. like that, you know? So um, you have to work really quickly to figure out what it is that might be holding someone back from getting giving you the information that you need. So there's a lot of little things that we do to keep the ball rolling and to make sure that the person looks like a star and not like an idiot on stage because that's the last thing you want is for someone to to look like they're not doing something right or for them to have new concerns about going on stage or fears from going on stage or coming on stage with the magician. But one of those things is always being clear and concise with your instructions mm. and repeating them if you, if you must. I mean, it's never condescending to just to reiterate things because Of course you're nervous when you're on stage. And it's not even when you're on stage. If you're meeting someone new for the first time or if you're doing a podcast, it's okay to repeat to make sure that the information is clear so that you can do your job and so that they can do their job.
1: Definitely. I think it's a great point. The overcommunication almost is is almost necessary. What are some of the questions that you might ask or things you might say or do to understand a person or gauge how they might be feeling?
0: Specifically when we're on stage... You start out by asking, I guess, the simple friendly questions like, you know, oh, how are you? Or, you know, oh, I see you're here with your friends tonight. Something relatable. Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of warm them up. People are always good to do whatever they want to do. And you have your trajectory of where you need to go. And if you're just engaging with someone for fun, Mm -hmm. for magic trick, for something that they don't know, they don't have the same trajectory. Some people come in with that, like, I'm going to screw you trajectory where they're like, I'm going to change my mind last minute and I'm going to change my answer or they just don't want to play along. But most of the time people people are cool about it and they want to do it. And, it, you know, it, it only works if as much as the participant works with it. But I think one of the best things is allowing yourself to have the time to get to know someone and you know, giving yourself just a couple extra seconds or an extra an extra minute with someone just to make them feel comfortable because sometimes people need it. You kind of want to read, are they comfortable? And if they're not comfortable, what can you do to make them more comfortable? And each person is different.
1: I love that. And I think that's that's definitely something that I've seen and experienced in lots of presentations and things like that, because if you're, especially if you're running late, or you have a really important thing to get across, it's very easy to want to jump right into the meat of what you're presenting or skip over, oh, we're going to skip over introductions, or we're going to skip over this story I was going to share before, we're just going to go right into the data. But often that actually will backfire. And taking, even like you said, a beat, taking a minute to make sure everyone in the room is present, make sure they're comfortable, make sure they're happy to be there as much as possible is critical to the whole thing going successfully. Can anyone become a mentalist or is it something that you're naturally born with?
0: Absolutely. Like any talent, it's a skill. As much as people can have a knack for something, there's a lot of practice involved to become professional or exceptional at anything. So a couple of the qualities I'd say that you need for being a mentalist would be that you're confident, patient, you have poise, and different from confidence that you can be cool when things don't go right. Cool under pressure. Yeah. And not just under pressure, but when something is not good, right? That you're able to take criticism and to be able to laugh at yourself. I think that's, that's really important because... It's a lot of practice, and that's where the patience comes in. It, with any magic mentalism, you know, practicing a card trick, I never could get good at cards with sleight of hand because you have to practice it 500 times to get it right once. Wow. And I've, I've done that. You know, I've done cards and things, but you have to keep doing it. You have to keep practicing at it or else you do lose it. And it just wasn't like that payoff wasn't worth it for me. But I find with mentalism, you can read books You can practice with people. It's like real life encounters. Whereas with cards, you are just doing it and then you have your real life encounters, but you're in control of them. With sleight of hand magic, you're the one that's in control. But with mentalism, it's the person you're working with. They're the ones in control of where it's going to go.
1: Right. I love that. So back when I was helping people with customer success and and kind of what they're doing, what we're doing in that space, I would tell them to practice all these relationship building techniques on people throughout their day, right? The person at the grocery store or Uber driver, family members, you know, flight, see if you can get yourself upgraded, you know, on a flight or something like that. So is that something that you would do as well? Like you'd be at the grocery store, you'd be somewhere and be like, you're thinking about this right now.
0: I like to think of when I do things that it's more consensual.
1: Here I am taking advantage yeah, of people.
0: Know, I'm, <laughs> and you're like, like, <laughs>
1: I'm like, give me the upgrade. <laughs> and
0: you're like, oh, you know. <laughs> the best thing that you can do when you do magic is to give to others. And when you give to others, sometimes they give back. They always give back in the sense of their joy and excitement to experience something like that. But if they can give more, if they can, you know, spread the word of your name or, you know, maybe their sister hires you for a party or something, that's the best gift they can give. We're performers, all of us, mentalists, magicians, illusionists. We're all performers because we love the feeling of giving to so many
1: people. I definitely know what you mean. It's, it's similar in that regard to our space where, you know, customer success is built around helping companies and people achieve their outcomes that they're looking for with your product. And at the end of the day, like that's the most satisfying feeling is when, is when you were able to help them achieve what they wanted to achieve by engaging you in the first place. So that satisfaction, I think I can definitely definitely understand for sure. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. People will refer you out to other places. They'll write you testimonials. They'll buy your stuff. They'll, you know, think positive thoughts and just put that into the world, which always comes back around.
0: And how nice is that? Like, that's the best feeling when, you know, you get someone emailing you saying, oh, I heard wonderful things about or from such and such about you. And I would love to use your services. I mean, that's the biggest compliment.
1: Definitely. So I know I can't get too, too tactical because there is an element of magic, obviously, that we can't it go too deep into but one of the tricks i wanted to one of the do you call them tricks or illusion uh, illusions you know or what?
0: tricks is fine illusions is fine
1: i just think of arrested development when joe would always correct and be like illusion michael
0: there's another word and i actually can't think of it wait, wait wait it's 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 i almost want to text mysterion effect it's effects, ah,
1: effects. okay yes. so a recent uh,
0: thank you, mysterion.
1: Yes. <laughs> there you go he sent it to you mentally <laughs>
0: yeah, there
1: we go. so one of the effects i saw you do recently was you gave an audience member a card with a huge list of movies on it and you said you know he should just pick one from the list don't tell anybody just think about it in his mind and then you had him read through the list of movies and i think you had him do it 3 times in a row and every single time when he said a specific movie you were able to you knew which one he was thinking of while he was saying it and i th- and you i don't think you even made a a you didn't we weren't shy about the fact that you were listening for something in his voice. You told him, be as deadpan as possible. You know, be as deadpan as possible. Don't give away what movie you're thinking of. Yet every time you're able to pick it out. And so I don't know how much you can tell me about that, but being able to actively listen to people and listen for cues is super, super important and interesting. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. I can tell
0: that one bothered you a little bit.
1: (laughs) Well, because I was trying to listen for it too. I was (laughs) like, come on, what am I missing?
0: (laughs) So with the movie thing, it's really interesting because... We use movies for a very specific reason. You know, you could use books, but not everyone has read all the books that are on there. But with the movies, there's a visual that you can certainly picture with each of them. And they're not unknown movies. They're movies that most people know, like Titanic, The Wizard of Oz, Taxi Driver, like all, all kind of movies like that. You can kind of picture them in your head, at least something, right. right? I haven't seen Taxi Driver, but you would think of a taxi. If you haven't seen it, maybe you'd think of that. But all I can say specifically about it is that When you get super involved in watching a movie, you lose yourself. So you kind of lose the sense of reality and it just kind of takes you there. It's like escapism, Mm -hmm. right? So people get involved with their choices and they don't even realize it. And one of the major things that I notice is about when you're thinking about something and talking at the same time, and you're trying not to change your voice, yeah. you're changing it more than you realize. Like If you're trying oh, hard not to do something, and this isn't an exercise that people do all the time. Right. But this is something that Mysterion and I practice quite a bit to hear the nuances.
1: So, would it work if you didn't ask them to do it deadpan and you just said, read through the list and don't tell us?
0: You know, we haven't tried that.
1: All right, let me meet your next <laughs> act. That's super interesting. Now I I want to practice it now, but there's no way I could do it. I have to do it a <laughs> lot. But it was very cool. And so I was trying to figure out what you were listening for, and I think being able to read people's voices, and I think that's something that actually a lot of people in our industry would want to get a lot better at, because you can tell so much from just listening to me. like you, Steffi, can listen to can learn so much from just listening to someone's voice. And I think that's something that we miss.
0: So. When you meet someone for the first time or second or third time, whatever, but not someone that you know very well, someone that you're an acquaintance with at at maximum. So when you meet them for the first time, the beginning of when you meet them is different from the end obviously because now you've met them they're a little more comfortable with you but it's not the beginning that's important the beginning is important always be you know like put your best foot forward all that
1: <laughs> you did use the jazz hands there for the record yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
0: but but it's when things settle down and that's when you get the true personality coming out of people so you know The first part is almost automatic, meeting somebody. Oh, hi, you know, we all look online for how to create the best first impression possible. We've all done that. We've all done this self-betterment thing. We've all looked up on Google how to read body language. You know, there's that whole thing like crossed arms means they're not open. You know, enough people know these things, that you know crossed arms means it's not open and you know legs crossed or wherever your foot's pointing
1: right it's where you want to go who
0: you're interested in who you're talking with right what's the most interesting thing so and where your shoulders are all that enough people know this stuff it's only when it's glaringly obvious like if someone's not making good eye contact with you or if you know they keep looking away right they're not interested like that's obvious body language reading is mainly done when it's in an obvious situation and i would say that most situations where you're going to read body language with someone isn't in a police interrogation setting right it's in a real life setting where there's so many distractions there's you know maybe weather is a factor if you're outside it's cold right Mm -hmm. like Crossed arms, it's cold. They're not, not <laughs> interested in you, right? So there's, there's all sorts of different things that don't actually mean as much as you'd think they'd mean. But the best way to read somebody is to be completely present. And I'm not just talking shutting off your phone. We all know that. I'm talking about being confident with yourself and knowing that you have everything ready to go in there. And when you're completely in charge of yourself, you can keep up with expressing, watching people's expression with their eyes. And the way to make the most of an interaction with somebody is to give them your undivided attention. And when you're doing that, when you feel confident with yourself, then you can watch the rest of them.
1: So if I'm understanding correctly, you're basically saying instead of focusing at first, at least if you're going to do this, don't be focused on are their arms crossed, are their legs pointed here, are their eyes, whatever. Focus on yourself first and be conscious of what you're thinking and doing and what your body and voice is doing. And then once you get really used to that and you're very cognizant of that, then you're able to focus on them. Yes. Interesting. I really like that. I feel like a lot of people skip that step.
0: You know that, that phrase, leave it at the door? Mm-hmm. Really... I live by that, and I, I don't know, I, I kind of had a bad day before I came here, and I've had a bad week. I, like, my boyfriend went home, he lives in Europe, and I'm probably not gonna see him for a really long time. I had a, a parcel get lost in the mail that I was really looking forward to, and I haven't thought of that once until now I'm thinking about, okay, well, no, 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 I'm, I'm trying to think of like what I'm leaving at the door when right. when you start talking with someone. When you go on stage, you have your stage character. And I would say most people who have, like most magicians and performers who have a stage character, it's themselves, but just a little sillier and maybe doesn't swear or something, you know, it's just like a more polished version of yourself. Live in that self sometimes if you need it. And especially when you're interacting with people, you can be that person, especially if it's work related or, you know, meeting a friend of a friend, You you can be that and you can really get more out of people if you're clear of mind.
1: That makes sense. And I really like that, like, leaving, just leaving it at the door. And I think that applies to, like you said, so many things in life in general. And it's a, a practice, right? It's not something that's easy to do necessarily. It's
0: not easy to do, but it really makes you happier when you leave from a conversation with someone and you're not regretting something that you've said or did I miss something because I was distracted thinking about something else? Yeah. And even if you've had the worst time ever, mm-hmm. if you leave it at the door, You can be present and you can enjoy this moment and everything to do with the moment. The tea that you've ordered, the company that you're keeping, Mm -hmm. you know, the nice music in the atmosphere. You can enjoy all of that and you can be more focused on what the person in front of you is saying or how they're reacting to it. You know, you're not going to leave from it going, did they like me? You know, did I say something silly? Not remembering what you said because you're so distracted.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. What are some strategies... For people who might have a difficulty being present, you said the obvious one is, you know, turning off your phone or having your phone face down or having your phone somewhere else. What are some other strategies, either mental or physical, that people can do in order to just ground themselves, get themselves present, let's say, before they are going into a meeting or an interview or a presentation or, or a show or something like that?
0: Be prepared, be early, and bring a book.
1: Ooh, I like those. Those are really good. Those are just good rules for life in general. <laughs>
0: But really, really, I mean, we go to shows and we're early for the show Mm -hmm. and you want to be early because you never know what's going to happen. The music doesn't work. The microphone, there's only one microphone. There's this, there's that. There's not enough seats. Like, who knows, right? Right. But if you're early, you have enough time for... But you're prepared, right? So, okay. Well, we always have a we always have our own microphones, so Mm -hmm. it's no problem. The music doesn't work. Well, we don't need music, or or, or, you know, or we have different jacks for the computer, or you know, we can pull up our music on YouTube, or you know, there's we have solutions. So that's being prepared. Being being early means you have enough time to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. Being prepared means you have the answers for the problem. You have the solutions for the problems, and bringing a book. Well, if there's nothing else to do, do something enjoyable, you know, or bring a little notepad and doodle, like do something off of your phone, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not time for your phone. It's supposed to be time that you're supposed to be getting ready for the show. Yeah. So, you know, do something constructive for yourself. And maybe it is being on your phone. Maybe it's answering emails I mean, or something. It might
1: be. But I think that, I mean, the, the problem with phones is that they're just, they're a window to everything. And if you're trying to be present, phones are the antithesis of that because it can take you literally into learning how many geese live in Canada to, you know, Google Street View of your, your ex's place or whatever you want to see. <laughs> I've never heard that one. I don't, no, neither of go. those are examples I've ever <laughs> done myself. Um, but they came to mind. But, you know, that's the danger of the phone, right, is it can go anywhere, whereas a book or doodling is something that is physical, it's present, and it's just, I'm doing this one thing, my brain is looking at one thing, not 50 things. Yes. So I like that. Okay, so if you were hosting a podcast, what product would you want to be sponsored by if it meant you could get an unlimited free supply?
0: I would want to be sponsored by Just Born. What's Just Born? Just Born is Mike and Ike's, Peeps, Hot Tamales.
1: <laughs> Excellent answer. Right? That's one of the few real answers I've gotten, so I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> my other one was Jelly Belly. I'm like, mm, <laughs> I like Jelly Belly too. But Just Born is more vintage because they've been around since 1923. Nice. Yeah, I did my research. I'm like, ooh.
1: Are you sponsored by them on TikTok yet? No, Okay. I then we'll, we'll have to tag them and try and get that going. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome, Steffi. My pleasure. If people want to book you for things, once we can have events and like have Amazing Mentalists, where can they find you?
0: You can look us up at thesentimentalistsmagic.com or just on Instagram as at sentimentalists.
1: Excellent. And everyone should also find Steffi's Instagram because she's an incredible vintage collector and model and it has beautiful, amazing content out all the time.
0: Thank you so much. Yes, my Instagram is Steffi, S-T-E-F-F-I underscore
1: K-A-Y. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steffi. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend or two or 10. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit Catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Wynn, and this was NPS I Love You. P.S. Yes, I love you.